Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. What's up, everybody? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in for this episode with Carly Garner. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, and RJO Futures. Today, I spoke with senior broker and commodity strategist at the Carly Trading, Carly Garner. As traders, we're always working on our craft. And one thing I've spent a lot of time working on is getting better at trading options on futures. Carly does a fantastic job explaining to outright futures day traders like myself how to start using options in our trading. Today we talked about why she chose to trade options over outrights, how she uses technical analysis in her options trading, why trading is a mental game over everything else, and last but not least, I threw Carly some trade scenarios on how traders could go about using options if they think, one, that maybe we make a new low for the year in the E-mini S&P, or two, if they think that we may go sideways to higher from here. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Carly. My parents did happen to be in the oil business, so most people assume that's why I got into commodities, but that really has nothing to do with it. it I You went to college um, here in Las Vegas. I graduated from college. I thought I was going to be a stockbroker, but about six months into the internship, I absolutely hated it. It was mostly selling loaded mutual funds and it just, it wasn't for me. And so there happened to be an ad running in the local paper for commodity brokerage. And I thought, Hey, I'll give it a shot. Let's see what happens. And I've been doing it ever since. So just kind of stumbled across it and I've loved it. Because once the markets get their hooks in you, that's it. They do. They do. I mean, it is truly, truly a, a roller coaster ride. And emotionally, financially, I mean, it is, it's an interesting business. Let's put it that way. But I really wouldn't have it any other way. I can't imagine grinding nine to five corporate America kind of stuff. It's just, that wouldn't be for me. No, me neither. And, you know, so I want to go back to really the beginning when you first got involved in markets, just what markets were you trading? I know that you, you talk a lot about technical analysis and options in the videos that I've watched you do, but th did it start in options? Did it start in technical analysis? Sure. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's a pretty accurate description. I was lucky enough to get in with a small office here locally that happened to specialize in option trading, so I learned a lot. I mean, I learned anything you could possibly learn about options just by observing and as well as, you know, eventually um, learning the hard way on some of that stuff. But so I've always been interested in options. And the great thing about options is to me is most other industry participants, like most other brokers, which happen to be my competition, really aren't very well versed in options. So they can't 
offer support or handle the clientele that, that we can handle. So it gives us a niche, but it, it, in the brokerage side of things, but I think it also gives people a, a little bit of an edge in the trading style because they, I mean, with options, you can really be as conservative or as aggressive as you want. You choose your Delta, you customize the trade risk reward profile. And so it really slows things down and puts things, I mean, futures trading is really, really hard, especially if you don't have the the mental capacity for it. And most people just simply don't. It's it's a pretty stressful endeavor. But if you slow things down with options, and I'm, I'm not saying obviously it's easy money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it slows things down. And I believe this is a mental game. So if your profit and losses are a little more tame, you're probably going to make better decisions because you're emotionally in a better place. And so that's how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I look back at my career, actually. Well, I started in, in the meets on the floor like like many runners do, and then I actually moved to the Eurodollar options before the S&P. And one of my biggest regrets, and I really don't have any regrets. I say this in saying you know, regrets more like I wish I would have spent more time learning was options. And, and it was really because at the time I was – when I was a clerk learning options – it just felt like it was going to be forever before I was going to trade. <laughs> so right. when I went into the S and P, it was like, okay, I get this. You know, I was just, I felt like it was just quicker and more of you know my mindset. And and I always say that trading is a language, but options is like a, a is like a it, whole nother language. It is. It the you know what the thing that turns people off about options is the fuzzy math. So like in, if you're trading futures, you know if you buy crude at 26 and you sell it at 27, you made a thousand. There's no ifs, ands, or buffs, buts. It's really easy math. In options, you can't really you can't really calculate your P and L unless you're talking about at expiration. And nobody holds to expiration anyway. So it's really just a lot of guessing and estimating, and people don't like that. But if you can get yourself over that hump, and I'm not saying you specifically, I'm just saying people in general, you know, put put themselves in the mindset that it doesn't have to be black or white. There can be some gray areas, and that's okay. Then I think, um, you know, options maybe are are a place for for people to at least consider. It is complicated, and it's not easy. I'm not going to say that. The thing is, though, the thing, the one thing I learned when I first started in the business, I read books after books after books. And honestly, you could read a million books and you're not going to ever learn how to trade options. You have to just do it. Once you do a couple trades, then it starts to sink in. And, you know, it's like, duh, of course that, you know, it, it just, it's just so much easier to understand actually once you've actually done it as opposed to just reading about it. So, Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with you on a, on a lot of what you said. And, you know, for me, when I think about options trading and I've and I've done several options trades in my career and not saying I knew exactly what I was doing. I was most of the time consulting with my friends and having them tell me what I should be doing in those options trades. But you know, when I'm in those trades, I am definitely more relaxed and I do feel like I have a stronger hold uh, on my position in the market. And it, and it's like, I'm not looking at every tick. Like, you know, even today right. I went home, uh, <laughs> I have a Russell position on and and every so often I'm like, you know, looking to sure. see what it's doing, even though I know I have my stop in, I know what my risk is, yeah. but I just, it's like you feel more attached to that position as a futures trader versus an options trader. It's like, once I'm in it, I feel like I kind of put something together. That's like, okay, this is my position. And I feel it's, it's easier to let it just let it go essentially. Right. Just let it play out. Yeah, exactly. And that's, see, I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to this stuff. So that's why I've 
trading futures outright is just not for me because I do exactly what you said, staring at every tick and worrying about it. And that's no way to live. And honestly, you're never going to make money doing that anyways. So options is a way for me to kind of get my head head in the game. And so it's worked for me. It's not going to work for everybody. But I like I said, I think it's worth people at least putting the time in to learn it. And one interesting point is I have some some of our clients never trade options. They only trade futures. But occasionally they come into situations where they really need to understand options. So, for example, like if you're trading cattle and cattle goes limit up or limit down, the futures stop trading. But you can. The options are still open. Now, the bid-ask spreads are wider and it's, you know, the, there's going to be some slippage, but you can essentially hedge your position. So if you're long a market that's limit down, you can just go into the option market and buy a put and sell a call and basically uh, mitigate your risk. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. You're going to pay too much for the put and you're going to not get enough for the call, but it will mitigate your risk so you don't have to lose sleep that night. I want to dive in a little bit more about your strategy for trading options. Now, let's have a little fun with this. Look at someone like me. You know I'm an outright futures trader and mostly the E-mini S&P. And I really consider myself more of an intraday swing trader. And I've been trying to find a way to implement options. And I've been saying this for a while on the show. Everyone's got to be like, Anthony, come on now, figure, figure it out. But you know what it is? It's just as it's like once it starts getting busy again, I go back to what's made me money and go back to my comfort zone. I don't want to be putting sure. on positions when it gets this volatile in Mark, you know, when I'm not 100% right. sure of what I'm doing. So uh, walk me through how you would maybe help me learn on how I could start utilizing options for me okay. as a, as a day uh, futures trader. Right. Okay. So what I would tell you and what I tell clients that are, that are like you that are day trading or swing trading futures is this. Now um, the caveat is in today's environment with the S and P volatility so high and the options overpriced, it's a little more difficult <laughs> because the options are so expensive, but in more normal markets, it's actually a really great strategy is instead of um, instead of, buying or selling futures, you can use the weekly options. There's in the S&P, there's options that trade, I'm sorry, that expire on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So every other day of the week, there's options expiring. So instead of going along a futures contract and placing a stop loss, which uh, anyone that's ever traded futures knows there's a good chance you're going to get stopped out right before the market goes the way you wanted it to go. It just happens. I don't know why it does. But if you, if you, get a buy signal and you buy a call option instead, let's say the option expires tomorrow and in more normal conditions, you might be able to buy that option for, you know, maybe 10, 15 points in the S and P out of the money for three to $500. That's your total risk. No matter what happens, your total risk is what you paid for the call. It expires tomorrow. So you can get it cheap. You can get it close to the money. And if the S and P moves up 10, 15 handles, you probably pick up almost half of that or at least a third of that. So it's just a slower way to do it. The, obviously, it's not as exciting, but the nice thing is, let's say you get into the trade and the S&P drops 30 points all of a sudden and then rallies back. If you were trading futures, you probably would have been stopped out, but your option's still going to live until it actually expires. So you always have a foot in the door and there's always a chance to recover. So it gives you lasting power. So that's one thing you could do. Uh, another thing that I help my clients do is not necessarily buy calls or puts for speculation, but buy it for insurance. So if you really want to trade the futures, you could buy a go along a futures contract and then just buy a cheap put for catastrophic insurance just in case the bottom falls out. 
and you use that instead of a stop, and that too will give you lasting power. So even if the market, you know, Trump tweets or something happens and everything goes wild for an hour, your put's protecting you. If if things go back to normal, then the you know you you have a chance to recover as opposed to being stopped out and watching from the sidelines. Okay, a couple things I want to talk about. First, I want to give you just a scenario that I think you know a lot of people are looking at right now, and they're saying, okay, the S and P. Uh, and let, let's let's talk about this low of the year, right? If you're someone who thinks that the S&P is going to take out this low of the year uh, that we made, it's obviously so difficult to sit short every day. <laughs> and these rallies <laughs> right. are just so ridiculously yeah. fierce. It's hard to stay short even for a period of time when they're, when they're bouncing sure. like that. Um, what would be a way that, you would say to them, you know what, here's what I would start to look at if this is what you think could happen. You know, set us up from everything, like time frame, how long would it be, and then, you know, things that we'd be looking at in the options market to decide how we would go about that play. Okay. Um, so what I would probably do, now, to be honest, I actually don't think we're going to retest the lows. I think that <laughs> ship has sailed. I could be wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> Because uh, I find it interesting, if you look at the sentiment indices, readings, everybody's still bearish, and they've been bearish from S&P 2200 all the way to 2900. So it's interesting it hasn't budged a whole lot. But if someone wanted to play the downside, um, with options being this expensive, what I would probably say is if you go out to the September S&P, and sep I mean, I, you'd want to give yourself plenty of time, because even if we do re retest lows, might not be tomorrow. Maybe it's two months from now, and you want to put yourself in a position that will will be around for that. So I would probably do some some sort of covered put. For example, you can go short a futures contract using the September futures, and then maybe sell like a reasonably out of the money put. Let's say twenty eight hundred put. So you're selling at twenty eight fifty. You're selling a twenty eight hundred put, and you're probably asking why the heck you would sell a put that close to the money. Well, the reason is. You'd bring in 190 S&P points. So all that would have to happen is the S&P be 2,800 or lower, and you keep the distance between your futures entry, which is 2,850, and the 2,800 strike. So you get those 50 points plus an extra almost 200 points in the S&P, and you only had to be right by 50 points. So that's how I would probably do something. And then you could, if you're worried about the upside risk, you could buy a cheap call option just to prevent the runaway. But um, with that type of a cushion, you may not need it. Hey, everybody, a quick pause here to talk about FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index Futures Contract, symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. All right, well, let's go the other way now. Let's just say that we, someone thinks that we're going to grind sideways to up from here uh, through summer. How would they go about that okay. play? Uh, you know what? Sideways to hire. I, the problem with sideways to hire is there's always that risk of the S&P drops faster than it goes up. Everybody knows that. And so that's the hard part is managing that. Honestly, with something like that, I'd probably just do a call spread because we've already rallied so far. Um, the risk of being long and wrong is, is 
even though I do think we're going higher, the risk of being long and wrong is definitely there. So I'd probably do some sort of a call spread. Let's see, um, probably using the September options, maybe buying the 2850 call, selling a 2950 call. It's pretty expensive though. I mean, you'd be paying 60 points for it. Maybe uh, go and sell some sort of a put spread to pay for it. I don't know. I'd have to, to work out the numbers, but um, the problem with the S&P at this stage is the options are expensive. The VIX is still elevated. I think the VIX is going to work its way back to 20. And if that happens, even if you have a call spread on or you're long a call, you're going to lose money just because the implied volatility drops. So maybe the best play, honestly, is to just sell a strangle, but uh, do it with insurance. So maybe like an iron condor, sell a call, sell a put, but then also buy a call and a put it with a shorter expiration date so that you've got some profit potential, but you also have a hedge. Yeah, I asked you those two scenarios because for me as a trader over the years, I could tell you that, <laughs> look, at when I think a low is going to get taken out, now, you know, I, what do I know if this low way down there is going to get taken out or 700 points or whatever it is from, from there right now? I mean, I'm not looking to make that play either. But if, if I did, a lot of times I'm looking at it going, every time I'm sitting short, it's like I catch a big part of the move. And then all of a sudden there's a couple of big rallies along the way where I try to hold short futures that get me out and it ends up being... I was better off just day trading it instead of sitting and trying to hold shorts the entire time, yeah. you know? So I end up, you know, so for those swing positions, I'm always like, shouldn't I just go to options and, and just say, Hey, sure. if this happens, just let it happen. Right. You know, the, in normal circumstances, options are absolutely a great way to go. In this particular S&P market, the options are really difficult. You know, we did, we, it's a kind of the same situation in crude oil because volatility is just blown up. The volatility in crude oil options almost tripled what it was in 2008. Like that's how wild things got in the oil market. So the result was the options were overpriced. Most retail traders either didn't want to risk the money or didn't have the money to just to get involved. The futures margins were ballooning. So it just kind of knocked a lot of people out of the market uh, for money reasons or risk tolerance reasons. So what we were recommending to clients were putting together butterflies. Actually, that might be something that would work in the S&P. I'd have to look at the numbers. But so in crude oil, what we were doing using the August expiration, we were recommending to, uh, let's just say this, this is hypothetical. I'm not making this recommendation, but you could theoretically buy a 30 call, sell two 35s, and then buy a 40 call. And what that does, you should be able to, I'm assuming the spread's a little more expensive, but you should be able to get pay six or seven hundred dollars for it. And if crude's trading at thirty-five dollars at expiration, you'd make roughly forty-three hundred dollars. So you're you're only risking seven hundred if crude falls to zero again. You only lost your seven hundred bucks, but if it creeps higher and it lands anywhere between thirty dollars and forty dollars, you make some pretty decent money. So and there's no margin on a trade like that. So that's a really good way to play an option market with overpriced options. Yeah. And I want to go back to the other question that I had asked you about how do you trade? How would you trade using options for sideways to grinding up market? Because that's really somewhat of what I think we're in as well. And obviously I think there's going to be some decent down action along the way, but from everything that I look at on my strategy, where we sit right now, I feel like sideways is probably where we're looking and, and, and we, we could potentially grind up because typically when we have sideways markets at S and P they, they grind up anyway. So, uh, and that's another market that for me as a day trader, where I look at it and go, look at, I look back and go, man, you were right. And 
you end up having some real rough weeks along the way because I get chopped up and I'm going, if you just would have maybe used options, maybe this would have just made it a little bit cleaner for you. Sure. Well, I mean, it goes both ways too. Sometimes with option strategies, the market blows out. Like for example, the butterfly I just mentioned, it's a range trade. So if you're too right, you actually lose money. And so there it's, you know, there's the thing is there's no perfect way to play any market. I think I truly believe that the, the only perfect way is the way that fits your yours or any individual trader's personality because the truth is it's a mental game. And if you're mentally stressed, you're not going to do the right things. And so it's really a, a game of finding what is comfortable to you. And that way, hopefully, you make the right decisions. And even then, even if you do all, make all the right decisions before the trade, and it doesn't guarantee you're not going to feel that stress and, during the trade and make a bad decision, but at least you're putting yourself in the right spot to begin with. So that's one step. Yeah, you, you are so right. It is definitely a mental game. And let's just stay there for a minute. How do you work on your mental game in trading? You know, I think it's something that mostly comes with practice. I think some people are bored with it. So that's, they've got a big advantage. Others, I think, have to really just put their put their money on the line and, and figure out what works best for them. I encourage a lot of our clients to start trading with the micro e-minis or um, the micro currencies or the micro gold, some of the real small contracts, or even the mini grains like mini corn and soybeans. Because it's kind of like, it's a little bit like paper trading. Not so much, honestly, the micro e-mini S&P moves quite a bit lately, but two months ago, it didn't move much. So anyways, it's kind of like paper trading, but you have a little skin in the game. So it's a really good way to learn a lot about yourself and your emotional habits and your comfort levels and all those sorts of things. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the micros, I think, are the, the greatest new product in they my are. 20-something years in, in, in the business because I think that it really hits all levels of traders. I started using them at the beginning of March. And sure. I've been trading E-minis for over 20 years, and, and I started to use the micros because it just gives me, going back to kind of what we talked about with options, just having a stronger hand in the market. When, when you get really volatile, you know, I like scaling in for some of these Absolutely. bigger areas yeah. for a swing position. I don't want to be too price sensitive. So it's just like you can clip in and not feel that right. pressure the second you get in. You're, you're, you're a little bit less concerned uh, about being so price sensitive. And sure. uh, I want to move on and talk about some technical analysis because I've seen you do technical analysis videos uh, over the years and you do a real good job explaining uh, your process for technical analysis. So uh, tell everybody some of the tools that you use and, and how you go about using technicals. Sure. So my thing is I like to keep it very simple. My personal opinion is there isn't a magic oscillator or indicator, I think they all probably work about the same. Like if you stretched out over five years and you took every buy and sell signal, I think it's probably all going to wash out roughly the same. Some are quicker, some are slower, but in the end, they're just telling us what the market's already done, not what it's going to do. So I think they're good tools, but what, so the, the two that I've picked, and again, I don't think it's, they're magical. I just think it's, it fits me and my personality is I like RSI, Relative Strength Index, and Williams Percent R. And I use Williams Percent R as kind of like a get ready because it's re a really quick indicator. So it kind of alerts me to maybe a market's overbought or oversold. And then I wait and see if the RSI comes in line because I, I tend to be a contrarian. So I want to be bearish when everyone else is bullish and so on. That doesn't always work out, 
but that's just how my brain works. So I'm looking for a really overstretched RSIs, hopefully on a weekly chart and hopefully even on a monthly chart as well as the daily uh, before really getting aggressive on anything. But um, each situation is a little different. What I really look at, though, in addition to that, is I don't just look at the chart and make guesses at where things are going to go. I also look at the COT report. I look at um, sentiment readings, that sort of thing, so I can see where other traders are positioned or what maybe maybe they're thinking. And I also look at seasonals pretty closely. So a lot of my options friends, they always tell me, that they don't even look at charts, <laughs> you know, it's really, okay. you know, and I'm always like, okay, well, what is it that you're looking at that? They're like, we just look at the sheets <laughs> and okay. I'm somebody that's like, I understand what, what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're obviously trading it a little bit differently, you know, than, than sure. you and I are talking about. And, and I'm not someone who would be going to use those sheets. And I know that a lot of my day trader friends that trade futures that are looking at options, aren't going to sit there and look at those sheets all day long either. Right. Uh, I think it's either you do one or the other, but for someone like myself, I can really relate to you and, and the technicals because that's what I do. But how do you combine the two? You know, I mean, because that's I think that's where I start to get a little bit. I start to struggle with me, you know, getting better at, at being an options trader. Is is that you know I have this idea that I look at from my from my strategy, and then I go to look at execute it in the options, and it's like it, it's hard for me to kind of bridge the two. Let's say, how do you bridge the two? Sure. So generally, like I'm not a big fan of just buying calls or buying puts outright because options are priced to lose and they're an eroding asset. So we generally put spreads together. So any option we're buying, we're probably selling at least one option to pay for it. We, we have kind of made it a rule in the last couple of years just because things have changed with algo trading and things like that. The markets really seem to get uh, overstretched faster and it becomes an issue if you have any short option exposure out there. So we always keep everything capped. But the reason I'm even mentioning that is once you decide, uh, let's say you're whatever, let's say you're bullish in crude oil and you wanted to put some sort of option spread on, you wouldn't, you would want to make sure that whatever your price target is, your short options are, are placed above that. So even if it's a call spread, you still want to, that, that short call caps your profit potential. So you want to make sure you're placing your long option in an area that's likely to be seen based on your analysis and the short option in an area that's likely to not be seen based on your analysis. And so we do those sorts of things, but options comp or it gets a little tricky because just because we see something really great on the chart and the seasonals match up. And so the COT, it doesn't necessarily mean we go to the option board and they're priced at a place where we can do anything with it. So it becomes a little bit tricky, but um, there are really dozens of various option strategies that you can use. So if, if the options are too expensive for a vertical spread, maybe you can look at a butterfly. If they're too cheap for a vertical spread, maybe you just do buy an outright call. So there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of gray areas in there. And that's like I mentioned earlier, that's what turns people off. But that's also the great part about option trading is you can construct your own risk and reward profile. Yeah, that's what I really like about it. You know, it's and and once you're in that risk, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's pretty much set in stone in, in, to some degree, right? I mean, you're not the risk can always vary. I mean, there always could be slippage, but for the most part, when you're in that position, if you're doing spreads, 
you know, maybe we maybe you just explain that to me. You know how how you could really go in and just buy an option spread or sell an option spread or whatever to work mm-hmm. to the point to where that risk is just out there and and that's it. That's sure. the most you can lose. Right. So it, that's not. It depends on what kind of option trading you're doing. Like if you're premium collecting, that's a whole different ballgame. There's margin and there's there's risk beyond what you collect, and it gets really um, hairy. If you would have if we would have had this discussion maybe let's say three or four years ago, I would have said naked option selling is okay. I no longer think naked option selling is okay. The markets have just changed. It really just doesn't work. It's the kind we have. I mean, I talk to traders all the time. It's the kind of strategy that it's going to work more than it's not, and it might even work for two years or three years. But then it's, you're going to get something like we saw in March or, or April, and it just blows everything up. So if you are premium collecting, you really want to make sure you have some insurance in place so that your risk is kept. So if you're if you're doing some sort of short option spread collection strategy, your risk is capped, but it can be pretty excessive. But you're right, if you're buying spreads, so buying vertical spreads, buying uh, butterflies, things like that, the most you can lose is what you put down. So, um, so that's your risk. You know it, you can sleep at night, and you don't have to stress out about it. For example, we had we had recommended some June butterflies and oil three weeks ago, right before the June contract fell off the face of the earth. It was like at twenty dollars last Tuesday, and then next thing you know, it's at six dollars the next day. So we'd put some butterflies on that we had only spent about three fifty for. So we knew that three fifty was the most we could lose. It just so happens right after we put them on, oil dropped twelve dollars, and so we thought, well, at least we weren't long the futures. But uh, actually that $300 might actually come back in and make something for us. The market's rebounded so sharply. So it's one of those things that you're always in the game. Even when it looks completely horrible, there's still a chance things come back your ways. Hey, everybody. I want to take a quick pause and talk about RJO Futures. They are a longstanding brokerage firm with personal broker relationships to learn, discuss, and trade the futures markets. To learn more about RJO Futures, please visit rjofutures.com. Yeah, I mean that goes back to what I was saying. Is like you have a stronger hand in the market. It's like you think that they can get to X price, or you're, you're looking at something, in, in, you know, in the market, and like that move happens that you talked about in crude, but yet now you you, you didn't you didn't cover it because you you bought right. that option with that risk in mind, and you're still okay. letting it work. Right. So with a with a trade like that, the most we could lose is what we paid, which was a little over three hundred. It was like maybe three sixty somewhere in there. So even if crude went to negative forty again, we still would have only lost our three sixty. So it's one of those things. Yeah, like you said, limited risk, and you have lasting power. You can hang on to the end. Um, the thing about that, I'm am kicking myself for not buying back our short options though, because they did get pretty cheap on that decline, and that was probably broke my own my own rule not doing that because had we been savvy enough to buy those short options back then it would have just left us with two long call options with open-ended profit potential on the way up but you know who would who knew you never know with this kind of stuff no you don't uh what i want to talk about is maybe a recent example of something that started with the technicals and something that you recommended to one of your clients, share with us as much as you can. And really what I want to say one thing before I even get into that is what's really cool about what you do is you really are your old school kind of merged with new school. Like you're still on the phone with a lot of your clients 
and like you said, walking them through some things. And, and you also mentioned to me that you actually take a lot of these trades that you recommend. Correct. Right. So you, like you mentioned, we're kind of merging old school and new school brokerage. So we have a lot of traders that are just trading online, doing their own thing, but they know that they have someone to answer questions and support them if they get a margin call or if they get exercise on an option, we're there to help them, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we, we give them trading ideas and, and help them out. Even even if they're not trading our ideas and they just want some ideas, we, we give our, that type of support to our clients. So if, they, if they're bullish a market that we haven't mentioned, they call us up or, or email us and we give them some ideas. So we do those sorts of things. Cool. Yeah. Now I want to go back to the question uh, that I was going to ask you was walk us through a scenario of something that you saw in your charts that I think most uh, of of everybody listening has charts and then they they look at technicals on a regular basis and something that you saw in the market and then you went and then used the options market to execute that trade idea. Sure. Um, So one thing that I've had my eye on is the grain markets. The grain markets have not uh, survived the coronavirus panic and then the trade war with China and all those other things have really beaten the grains down. But we're getting to a point where corn is near the $3 area and we haven't really seen corn trade much below that price in in a long time, several years, maybe even over a decade. Every time it's been down to the $3 area, it's bounced and you can even draw a trend line and see that that's exactly what's been going on. So what we thought was, we see that corn's trading in a downtrend, but we think that it's it's approaching support. And if you look at a long-term chart, well, not long-term, but over the last two or three years, you can see corn's really just trading in a big channel. It's a descending channel. So if we do trade up to the upper end of that channel, then we're talking maybe 60 to 80 cents in corn. So one way to play that would be a bull call spread using the December options. And the reason we choose the December options is, for one, there's a lot of time left on them. And two, options and corn are pretty cheap. So having the time is going to, hurt, to help us, not hurt us. And also, you don't get a lot of time value erosion. So if we're early, even if we're a month or two early, that long call that we're purchasing isn't going to eat us up too badly on the time value erosion. So an idea there would be uh, maybe we went with the 350 call, buy the 350 call, sell the $4 call because we don't think corn will go much above $4. So that gives us 50 cents in payout room. And at the time, I don't know what the spread's worth now, but you could get in for about 10, 11 cents. So that's about 500 to $550 and possibly make 45 cents. So what is that? About a little over two grand. And that, that all started with the technicals for you. Correct. Sorry, my math is off. It's it would be more like 1900 or so. But uh, yes, I'll start it with the chart. We noticed it was coming up against support. It's oversold. It's trading in a channel, but we're hoping it goes to the upper end of the channel. So this was a good low risk, cheap way to play it. What do you recommend for a, a trader out there who is day trading futures like I talked about, like myself, and we wanted to get into well, what would be the shortest time frame for an options trade for someone like us? Yeah. So we we have some clients that day trade options. They use the, the weekly options because there's such a short amount of time of, of life on those options. They're cheap and they will move. If the futures market makes a big move, those options will move. 
So honestly, we have people that buy options in the morning and sell them a few hours later or sell them later in the afternoon. So it, you don't have to hang on to it for a week. You can hang on to it for hours. And they they will move enough if you pick the right option. Like if you buy a deep, deep, deep out of the money option that expires tomorrow, it's not going to do anything for you unless the S&P does, makes a miraculous move. But if you buy something moderately out of the out of the money, like before the volatility we've seen recently, you could get 10 points out in the S&P and spend less than 500 bucks. And so that's not a bad trade because you know you can only lose 500 no matter what happens. And hopefully you can sell it later in the day for double or more if you catch the right move. Last question before we get into rapid fire today. For the futures traders out there interested in learning more about options, what do you recommend their first step be? Okay, so this is going to be a shameless plug. I'm actually, I actually just finished an option book. It's uh, specifically commodity options, which is very rare. There's only, I'm only aware of one other book that's on commodity options specifically, and I actually wrote that book in 2008. <laughs> so there's a ton of option books out there, but they're all on stocks. Commodities are a little bit different animal. So uh, my book will be out this summer. So obviously I'm biased, but I think that's a great place to to start. Um, other than that, we have about 40 videos on our website, decarlytrading.com or on our YouTube site. And there's all kinds of good information there, whether you want to start from the beginning or if you want to get into the more advanced strategies, they're there. And those are free, obviously. And that's just going to go over the basics 101 of options trading. Correct. Yes. So we only deal in futures and options on futures. So any content I put out is options on futures, which confuses people a lot because they, when they think of options, they think of stock options, but we're only dealing in commodity options. And they, it is different. Trust me. People want to assume it's the same thing, but we're talking about two completely different asset classes and characteristics. So it's, there's definitely some nuances in commodity option trading that's different than stock option trading. Yeah. No. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Now we have sure. rapid fire questions next. If you're ready for those. I'm ready. All right, everybody, our Rapid Fire segment is sponsored by Trading Technologies. Trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. You can try it now for free at tryttnow.com. Carly, first question for you. Who has influenced your career the most and why? So without a doubt, it's been Jim Cramer. He has had a huge impact on my career. He's been super generous with his time, and he's been really supportive and encouraging in everything that I've done. And honestly, he has set a great example of just being humble and working hard. It's amazing to for any time that I do an event with him or um, or am on a show. He's very, very humble and friendly. He's very down to earth, but it always. Uh, puts things into perspective when he'll, he'll be sitting in the front row listening to other people speaking and taking notes. And, you know, it, not everybody would be like that. Other people are in the back of the room chatting and drinking coffee, and he's in the front row taking notes. So tip my hat to him. What was one of the hardest things for you to overcome in trading? You know, the idea that the markets are constantly changing, something that worked last week or last year or maybe even the last three years might not work going forward and so that was hard for me to grasp uh, at first i've now learned that you've you've always you've got to change with the markets the markets aren't going to 
conform to you. You have to go with the flow. So that was, I learned some tough lessons learning that lesson. How has your trading process evolved over the years? So I've, I still believe option trading is, is the best approach, at least for me and for a lot of people. But I've really shifted away from, and we've kind of discussed this, away from naked option selling into covered option selling and in even option buying strategies using spreads. And so it's been um, an evolution, so to say, but I think that it's it's been for the better. The thing about option selling is you're going to make money on almost all of your trades. And it only takes that one trade to go sour to ruin all of that. And so I've learned that hard lesson a couple of times and realized that that's not the best way to go. So I've I've kind of shifted to spread trading. If you're going to buy an option, sell one to pay for it, but never go naked ever. What is one attribute that you believe every trader should have? I think everybody should look at their positions and when they get into a trade, always expect the worst and hope for the best. That way, at least from a mental standpoint, hopefully you're focusing on risk management as opposed to making money. Favorite book about trading? Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. It's, again, I believe trading is a mental game and that book actually did wonders for um, helping me understand that Trading is a lot like basketball. You know, even the best shooters in the world get into slumps, but the reality is you just have to keep shooting. If you had to pick a profession other than trading, what would it be? I cannot think of anything else I would rather be doing. What's the best piece of advice that you received about trading? Uh, you know, Jim Cramer once said to me, it is what it is. And I, I think about that a lot. You can never change the past as much as we want to or as much as we want to think about what we should have, could have, would have done. It doesn't matter. Just pick up and move forward. If you could go back in time and give the younger you a piece of advice, what would it be? So never, whether you're trading futures or options, short options, never trade naked ever. Always have some sort of catastrophic risk in place just in case. I learned... Uh, a lifetime of lessons in March trading crude oil. We had some clients that were, some of them were long futures. Some of them were short puts. Some of them were short put spreads. Some of them had insurance. When we went in, I don't know if you remember seeing crude down like 30 something percent on March 9th. It was a Friday gap lower or a Sunday gap lower from Friday's close. And it was pretty eye opening. Um, even, we had recommended some trades to our clients and we always have protection in place. In this particular time, our protection was not absolute. We had put spreads instead of just outright puts. So they were meant to protect us another seven, eight percent on Monday. And then we, our plan was to adjust then. We thought eight percent of insurance was enough and it simply was not. So never, never, never be naked, even if it's just for a weekend. If you had an elevator pitch me your edge in trading, what would you say? Never pay full price for options. Options are priced to lose. So if you're going to buy options, sell something to pay for it. Keep things cheap and keep your risk low and reasonable. Last question for today, Carly. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not trading? Most people, when they think of Las Vegas, they think of casinos and gambling. But actually, the best parts of Las Vegas are outside of town. 
in about 20, 30 minutes from my house, I can be on a mountain hiking with my beagle. And that's my favorite thing to do. Oh, that sounds so nice. I'd like to be out uh, hiking with my dog right now. <laughs> uh, so, you know, one thing we didn't talk about today is Las Vegas and how everything is going with COVID-19. Uh, give us a little idea of what it's like in Las Vegas right now. Uh, you know, just a week and a half ago, I made it to the strip for the first time and it was heartbreaking. Most of the casino doors are boarded up. There, the, the strip itself is a giant bike lane. There's bikers like bicyclists, you know, just sightseeing and checking out the strip, but there's no, no traffic. <laughs> so it's like the world's most luxurious bike lane right now. Um, so it's it's a little bit depressing to go to go on the strip, but honestly, the rest of the town is starting to buzz and things are starting to pick up. So I'm hoping the strip will soon follow. Uh, Vegas will Vegas will bounce back. Uh, everybody yeah. uh, will bounce back from this. It's just it's so. a time thing, you know. <laughs> it we is. just gotta it's we just gotta get through it. And you know what, Carly, uh, this was so much fun today. Where can people find you on social media, uh, preferably Twitter? And give us a website to check out. Sure. So on Twitter, my handle is at Carly Garner. We're all, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to look me up, I'll, I'm there. Uh, and on YouTube, the best website to reach me is thecarlytrading.com. It's spelled D-E-C-A-R-L-E-Y trading.com. Like I said, Carly, this was a lot of fun. And it was really great to finally get a chance to speak with you. You've been watching your videos uh, for some time now. You're great for the trading community, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today on Futures Radio Show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can listen to all of our episodes on FuturesRadioShow.com, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.